Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Uh, good morning to you. Um, welcome to Business Paper Review with me, Kalu Aja. Uh, I was going to run through the papers, get you all set up on the economic side, wherever you are in Nigeria, Jos, um, Inugu, or Ibadan, right? Let's get through a few stories just to see what's happening on the business side, and then we'll give a few analysis, and then we'll take it from there. Uh, so first story today is not really from Nigeria, but I think it's important in terms of the context of Nigeria. Uh, we're going to talk about Ghana. And Ghana, as you know, is in a bit of a problem, i.e. economic-wise. Uh, Ghana has really overspent. Uh, they found crude oil. Uh, they went on a spending spree. They borrowed a lot of, uh, of dollars when uh, the dollar rates were really at zero or next to zero. And now the dollar rate has gone up, i.e. the, uh, the Fed rate has increased in payments, uh, which meant that Ghanaian foreign liabilities uh, or the exposure to dollar has gone up. Uh, Ghana is in a top spot. Uh, right now, they are negotiating with the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, to qualify for a, a bailout. And they have to meet sustainably requirements. That's, that's the word for it. They have to meet a sustainable requirement. So they have to increase revenues and cut down expenses. When we say expense, we mean social expenses. So Ghana has to raise taxes. Uh, they have to stop spending. And they have to use much, much money to pay down debts um, already. Uh, so lots of stuff that Ghana is looking at is amongst them is to say they want to pay for, uh, they want to buy gold uh, with SETIs. And they use the gold to then pay for crude oil, which is important. I uh, remember Ghana already has no forex uh, to buy crude oil at the moment. So what they want to do is to print SETIs, which is essentially printing paper. And then mandating that the gold drillers in Ghana are able to then accept that paper from the government. And then the Ghanaian government can then get their hands on gold, which they can then use to pay for hard commodities like crude oil. It's essentially theft if you look at it, because the SETI really doesn't have any value. So to exchange gold that has international dollar price uh, for the city is really um, theft of the private. It's, this gold is not owned by the government, mind you, it's owned by the private uh, sector in Ghana. But that's what they're going to do in also they're going to ask bondholders to accept a 30 percent uh, what we call a haircut on principle so if you if they owe you a hundred dollars uh they'll now owe you 70 dollars um more or less on that bond so they issue you a new bond but it'd be worth 70 dollars it's up a hundred dollars uh they're also going to issue convert their existing bonds to zero coupon bonds 
so to reduce the amount of interest payment that they will make going forward. So why I'm bringing this story up is that if you look at this story, it's just a very, very short time lap lapse of what has happened in Nigeria. Nigeria has gone exactly through this in the 70s, 80s, when we didn't have the austerity program uh, that, uh, that I, not the IMF, but we had to go through a structure adjustment program and an austerity program to get ourselves off this um, Dutch disease of high commodity prices, boosting expenditures, and then we find ourselves in a debt trap. Surprising that Ghana has done this right because they had seen Nigeria and lots of commentary was that they would, would learn from Nigeria and they would avoid uh, the mistakes that Nigeria has made. Unfortunately, they have not and they're falling into this trap that Nigeria has found itself. Why this is important for Nigeria is that we are doing the exact same thing that Ghana has done and that Nigeria has gotten out of in the past years, right? We, we, we paid off our debts in 2004, 2005, and right now we're now into more debt, and we're also exposed to the dollar. Why you guys don't see the noise really on the dollar side is that most of those dollar liabilities will become due later. Right now we're just paying the interest, but those principal sums become due later on in years because we're putting about 30 years, 10 years from the euro bond. But the numbers don't favor Nigeria. The same thing happened to Ghana. They have no money to pay their debts. It's the same that happened to Nigeria. We have no money to service our debts as well. IMF is knocking. Uh, the thing for Nigeria is that in February, you might have a change in CEO that would help to then sort of rejig the economy. And hopefully, we might get a new direction, cut down the spending, cut down the debt, and start to pay uh, most of its expire, uh, expensive loans down. So just a cautionary note there to look at Ghana, and look at what the parallels in Nigeria and to hope that our policymakers see the different, see the similarities and, and maybe do an off-ramp, right, on what's going on. Uh, the next story, guys, is all about the fuel scarcity that's going in Nigeria. Um, if you live anywhere in Nigeria, you would have seen that there's a lot of fuel scarcity. There's no fuel. And last week we talked about this and we said the reason why there's no fuel is that the cost of diesel has gone up. Nigeria uses diesel boats. Uh, large uh, ships to go to the mothership that bring in the PMS that we import to take that PMS from the motherships to the dock in Lagos. Because the cost of diesel has gone up, it doesn't make profit for those smaller ships to go all the way and bring it into the to, to land. So there's no, no, no profit. NNPC is the only importer of PMS to Nigeria at the current prices. And of course, NNPC, um, NNPC is not going to maybe cover that deficit. That's why you see this scarcity going on. It's just we, the diesel price has gone up more than 50%. And I, I don't think that was provided in their template uh, to import PMS. So they give you lots of reasons. NNPC will tell you it's because of the construction in the papa. It's really the cost of diesel that has gone up that has killed their importing template. So everyone is just marking time. Everyone is marking time. We're waiting for diversity refining to start. And we're also waiting for the change of government. See, that's where we are. We're just like in a comatose state, just waiting and seeing if prices will go down or if money will come from somewhere and this will ease out, right? Structurally, we're in a problem because oil prices are high. And if oil prices are high, Nigeria has got to import that crude oil to then refine, sorry, import the PMS to then satisfy our local demand. Because when we export crude oil, the money goes to NPC, NPC is that money to, uh, of course, um, pay for the PMS export. So big problem there for us in Nigeria, uh, the, the fuel scarcity, it just brings to fall what is going on. It, the fuel lines you're seeing 
uh, the symptom of a bigger problem, right? That Nigeria refineries are not working. That's essentially what, what it is, right? So we have to fix that. Uh, some good news. Uh, this is from the Nigerian Communications Commission. A uh, number of subscribers active, this is active subscribers in Nigeria, about 214 million in October uh, 2022. This is the highest recorded number of uh, subscribers in Nigeria, right? So big deal, 214 million. I mean, most folks might have two phones, right? But still, this is a number that just shows how many Nigerians are really online because bulk of Nigerians access the internet via their phones, via the internet on their phones. So it's a big deal. This is a huge market. And we now have the NIN, which is sort of like um, making sure that if you have a if you have a, a phone, they know who you are. Uh, we see other companies like the Momo coming in to do mobile banking, mobile money transfer. So this is a huge, huge, huge opportunity for Nigeria going forward. If someone is able to, you know, harness as we're already doing to harness more the mobile ecosystem, it's really going to be major. I mean, the numbers are very, very positive. This guy supports about 3.2 million jobs directly and indirectly in Nigeria, i.e. the uh, mobile ecosystem, right? Uh, in terms of funds raised, about 16 billion, right? 16 billion has been raised from taxation from that sector alone, right? So very, very important part of the Nigerian economy, the telecom guys, MTNs, Airtel, the Momos and all that, very, very important. And that's just great news for Nigeria to see that this is level of activity is still going on. Uh, telecom's size of, of the market, of the GDP growth has increased steadily and it has saved us at many G, uh, GDP growth numbers. It has saved Nigeria in always posting a positive number in that uh, in that sector. So great news there. We just have to keep it up and just keep on moving and then that should be good, right? Uh, so let's go to the not so good news. So Fitch, you guys know Fitch. Fitch is a rating agency. Uh, they have also joined Moody's in downgrading some Nigerian banks. Uh, if you know about is it a month or two months ago, Moody's downgraded Nigerian debt and also downgraded um, the banks and three key major Nigerian companies. I believe that was Dangote, Seplat, and IHS. So IHS does the telecom towers you see all over Nigeria. So Moody's downgraded those companies. Now, Fitch has also downgraded Nigerian banks. And the reason is simple. They are saying these banks are exposed to the Nigerian government because they own the whole government's uh, securities. And as since Nigerian government's um, numbers are, are, should we say, under stress, then if anything happens to the Nigerian government debt, it will also flow and affect the Nigerian uh, banks that are, you know, of course, um, having deposits and doing a lot of business with, with the federal government and, of course, with Nigeria. So it's a sovereign risk that has affected uh, the seven Nigerian banks are the biggest banks in Nigeria, right? So it has also affected them. So, I mean, it's 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 not bad. It's not good because what it means for those banks is that if they intend to borrow more, they will have to pay more because their interest rate uh, is going to go up because they, uh, they have been uh, downgraded. So not so good, uh, but of course it was expected. But let's see. I don't think anything. I don't think really. If you look at those banks, I don't think anything is wrong with them per se in terms of deposits compared to, uh, say, their loans. They have very, very low, um, should we say, debt to bad debts. 
they are very, very efficient banks, but just that because they are Nigerian, they have that suffering risk that has now shrunk the federal government, I would also affect them. So not too good there. So guys, last week again, we saw, the, let's go to the next story, we're talking about poverty in Nigeria. We saw the federal government fire salvo to the state government, seeing that the state governments have contributed to poverty in Nigeria. The state governments are basically focused on building airports and flyovers and are not doing, should we say, uh, human capital um, issues, right? So this is essentially what's going on. Federal government is accusing the state governors of not um, focusing on poverty, i.e. the human side of investment in the human needs of the states, of their citizens, right? The states have also fired back at the federal government, saying that the federal government, because it has not fought um, insurgency, food prices have gone up, and this has contributed to the poverty that we see in Nigeria. So what's amazing is that this is the seventh year of the government, right? And at the very, very tail end, where there's no denying that there's poverty. Rather, you see um, an allocation of blame from the same federal government to the same state governors that most belong to the same party and all that. Now blame the IE accepting that yes, there is poverty. Yes, we haven't fought that poverty, but it's not my fault. It's your fault. That guy says, no, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault as well. And I just think it just shows you really, really where we are in Nigeria. That essentially, like I keep on saying, the country is on an economic coma. There's a coma right now in Nigeria and it's economic. And it's just waiting for what will happen in February, right? The markets are waiting for what's going to happen in February, which is the elections. Uh, based on the election results, I think you're now going to see some movement in terms of policy. <clears throat> if a certain person wins, the policy will go this way. If a certain person wins, policy will go uh, that way. I don't want to really get into it. But if, let me just say that if the ruling party wins, then many things that have been kept on the cooler would have to come out and they would have to really talk about paying for this subsidy, this fuel subsidy. They can't afford it, but they don't want to stop it before the election. So we're going to keep on paying the subsidy and have the fuel lines till the elections are over. Then someone can say, okay, I'm going to stop it and hand it over to the next incoming guy. Things like that. Things with inflation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, no decision will be taken till after the election. Nobody wants to lose an election by increasing the fuel price. That's why you see the lines. That's what's really going on, guys. So it's it just a telling that the federal and the state are between its poverty and they are both blaming each other uh, for the poverty. Great, uh, great one, guys. Uh, just our last story, I should say, I think last story is going to be the Central Bank of Nigeria. Uh, Central Bank of Nigeria is here stated to have spent about 6.3 trillion naira. Uh, let's call it this way. Under ways and means, this is how the federal government can borrow money from the Central Bank of Nigeria. So you can go to the Central Bank and say, hey, we need some money, but we don't have any money in our accounts. Could you lend us money? The Central Bank will say yes. They give them money. Either they print the money or they credit the account. That's called ways and means. Uh, the numbers that I last saw were about 22 trillion. 22 trillion, right? So in 10 months, this report is in about 10 months, the central bank had printed about 6.3 trillion uh, for the federal government of Nigeria. This is just raw printing. This money is not part of the. Uh, it's not part of the debt that you see the the debt that the debt management office presents. This is not part of it. This is just what the central bank has advanced to the federal government of Nigeria. What is the implication for you? This money has got to be paid one way or the other. One way or the other, right? And 
let's even assume the federal government is not saying we're not going to pay today. The central bank, by printing 6.3 trillion, has introduced that money into circulation. That means that if there was inflation, there's now extra 6.3 in the system without corresponding productivity that has created that money, right? So we didn't sell oil and then we printed Naira. We didn't sell cocoa, then we printed Naira. No, we simply just printed Naira. That 6.3 trillion has got to go somewhere. Where do you think it's gonna to go to? It's gonna to go to buy things, either houses or cars. I know they'll say it's gonna pay salaries, but it's gonna to go to buy houses or cars, even food. It's gonna make the cost of food go up because you haven't increased the productivity or the supply of food, but you have, um, what you have done is to get, you have, um, increased um the what's it called the number of of naira in circulation so when you increase the number of circulation without increasing the number of uh should we say the number of of um of people right that that can that can productivity that can increase supply of things to the market of course that's a recipe uh for inflation that's essentially what's going to happen guys so Watch out for the central bank. They have raised rates by 5% this year, the largest and steepest increase in rates in a long, long, long while. The central bank has gone from about 13, or is it 12, or 11, one hour to 15, right? Because they have to take this money out of circulation. So they print money for the government, then they increase rates to take the money out of circulation. That's what's going on. It's a merry-go-round, and it is not very, very pretty, guys. That's what I'll say. All right, guys, that's what we have a lot more, but this is just, I think we won't keep you guys here too long. This is about 15, I'll try to do this in about 15 minutes, so we're about 17 minutes, right? So some good, some bad, um, some positives numbers out there uh, for us. I mean, the key thing for me really is um, the economy right now is just on autopilot. Nothing big is going to happen. Nothing big is going to happen till we get past that big, February benefits the elections. And because this is going to happen, then most of these issues cannot be addressed, right? The fuel subsidy, the debt, all those things will not be addressed. So that's a big, big, big risk for me. That's why you see the Fitch and the, and the other guys downgrading uh, banks that really have strong balance sheets but are exposed to the government. That's why they're getting that downgrade. On, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, those banks are good. Uh, but Fitch is saying, listen, if you're Nigerian, then you carry that risk as well. Even if you are in Nigeria and trading in oil like Seplat um, or in telecom towers like IHS or cement like Dangote, they're also going to downgrade you because you are all part of that mix. All right, guys, that's my show uh, technically for today. Uh, let's see if we have any guy out there that has requested to follow or to make a total to contribute and they will take him. I don't see anyone, guys. All right, so uh, what you wish, wish you guys the very, very best for this week, right? Um, it looks like it's gonna be a good one. I will say this again, right? Try to keep things simple from now till February, right? Just try to keep things simple because you really don't know the direction of the economy. It's gonna move based on who is going to win. So you don't make any substantial investments or take any risks right now, the next 90 days. So just keep things, you know, short term, um, try to keep your options open, try to stay liquid so that way you can get in and out of positions as they come around, right? Because you, don't, you simply don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the biggest, it's not a risk in a bad way, but the biggest risk right now for you is the elections.
because what elections does is elections will introduce new policy, right? Imagine if um, a candidate, for instance, has says <clears throat> we want to decouple um, the excess crude and the benchmarks from the budget. So that means that if he wins, there's going to be an excessive printing of Naira, excessive printing of Naira. That Naira is going to be used to fund consumption, right? So what happens to the dollar in that scenario, right? What happens to, to that? So if you were trying to import things in the dollar, you want to pause and say, okay, what will happen if, if that policy takes effect? Will I have to pay more for dollar or will dollar come in through remittances? If you print a lot of Naira, right, the dollar, the value is going to go down. Will that allow, will that incentivize the, the foreigner, the diaspora to send in more Naira home to Nigeria to invest or will it stop them? Those are questions you really would have to know before you take uh, massive uh, investments in. That's really my point, right? To just be clear before you do take, um, yeah, take a decision. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'm going to shut it down now. Uh, do allow me to do that. Would I'll try to be here again tomorrow so we can take more questions. Today just going to be a very tight day for me. I uh, appreciate you all for tuning in. Let's try to make the day tomorrow or later on this week. Uh, this Saturday, we'll try to do a review of 2022. Let's talk about our budgets, our plans. Where did we make it? Where didn't we make it? What should we look forward to for 2023? Sort of like a post-mortem of the year, even though the year just has a few weeks to go. Let's see what we got wrong. Let's try to execute what's going to happen in 2023 and how we can take a position right going forward in, in our investments. So that's what we'll try to do this Saturday. But I bid you guys a very, very good morning. And if you do allow me, I will take my leave now. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you all. Bye.